Welcome back to Everyday Ignorance. This is the podcast where ignorance is unacceptable. My co-host Peter Turpin is actually on vacation, so today we're taking a break from our usual format, and I'm doing a special interview with a guy named Akira Shastri about how it is to actually be an EMT. Uh, Akira is a great friend of mine, and I really appreciate all that he brings to the show. Akira, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah. It's an honor to be here with you. Yeah. First question, how do you pronounce your name? Is it Akira or is it Acura? Yeah, man. Akira. Okay. All right. All right. We've only known each other for years at this point. Yeah, I've been calling you Acura the whole time. (laughs) So I just, I thought, uh, oh yeah, there goes Acura. He's pretty cool. Um, Is that the car? Yeah, is that the car? Uh, So how was your, uh, how was your Christmas and New Year's? But yeah, not too bad. It, it was wonderful. I got to visit with friends and family, but unfortunately, I did get sick. I finally mm. fell to the COVID, so um, I apologize if I sound a bit congested. Mm. I got over that for the, you know, a week or two ago and slowly claw- clawing my way out of it. I can't smell it. I don't know if you ever caught COVID in all this time. Um, I did. But... Did you ever lose your, like, taste or smell? Did that happen to you? Uh, I believe I lost parts of my taste, and then for the smell portion, I think I did. I don't remember. It's been a while since I had it. Yeah. Well, let me tell you, it's horrible. I can't can't hardly taste my food. It's depressing. (laughs) (laughs) What, uh, so, I mean, were you just kind of inside the apartment or the house? uh, Yeah. Just the whole holiday Yes, sir, that's right. Just been isolating, watching TV, and I was feeling kind of crappy initially, but thankfully I'm doing better, and, and yeah. just in time to, to help you out with the podcast. You know? Yeah, yeah, no, I think it's great. It all worked out. I'm, I'm just glad you got COVID. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah, no, I'm really glad. I'm. I, that's what I hope for all my friends. I hope they all get COVID yeah. and, and possibly die. <laughs> you know, that's what, I'm, that's what I'm hoping. That's what I hope we get that's, out of this. That's what we shoot for. That's True what we practice. shoot for. We haven't even talked about the shooting yet, so that's oh, uh, God. yeah, that'll be part of it. Um, yeah, wonderful. Yeah, it'd be great. But yeah, so uh, my holidays were okay. I mean, I kind of talked about this last week with Peter, but uh, yeah. Peter went on a missions trip. By the way, I oh, think okay. I think he became a Jehovah's Witness. I'm not sure. No, he didn't become okay. a Jehovah's Witness. He uh, he's on a missions trip. He like left at the last minute, and he bought like plane tickets. This is just like last night or the night before, and I'm like, Peter, what are you doing, man? Uh, but yeah, no, he uh, he fell asleep, and then he had to like change all of his flights because he flew to California from Fargo. Oh wow! Yeah, so it's kind of a big. But deal. he overslept and missed his flight. I think so. I think that's what happened. <laughs> he, it's 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 kind of weird. I mean, he he does have issues sleeping sometimes. Uh, he, uh, yeah. you know. It can be tough for him, so just it it that is what happens. So I don't know. Yeah. I'm sure he's okay. Uh, yeah, hopefully. Or he's somewhere in Mexico right now. He got on the wrong airplane. So, Dang. Hola. so the trip was in Cal- the mission trip is in California. I think so. Okay. I think and it's he'll be back when. Uh, I think it's gonna be next week. But you know, when he comes back. Um, we're just gonna fire him and put you in there instead. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, surprise! Uh, yeah, surprise! Hey, when you're listening to this. You know, I've replaced you. Yeah, yeah. That's great. 
I really love it. I'm sure he'll love it too. He yeah. uh, he's pretty tired usually when we do the podcast, so he's probably not even awake for most of it. That's the thing. <laughs> Uh, he does struggle with sleep, though. So, okay. Uh, don't don't laugh at that joke, by the way. I don't yeah. I don't know why you'd laugh at such well, an awful thing. Well, hopefully he's getting rest in California. <laughs> at least he's getting rest in California. Well, he's yeah, probably asleep right. in LAX right now, and um, wish him luck. Yeah, he might be. All the best, Peter. All the best. He might be spinning on a carousel, one of those little baggage carousels. So, you ever been to LAX? I don't know that I have. No, have yeah. you? Uh, I haven't. Have you ever been to California? I have been to California. Okay. But I don't recall if I flew into LAX. Oh, just for uh, family or? Yeah, I had some family in the Bay Area. Okay. I think they're about an hour away, so I I visited them. Nice. Um, some time ago, yeah. How uh how is California? California's nice. Uh, I was surprised when I went there that I went there in in spring and coming from the Fargo Moorhead area you know going from zero degrees to spring in California mm-hmm. I mean oh my gosh I was so surprised everyone wears jackets in like 60 to 70 degree weather really wow and I was like this is fantastic you know this is yeah. beautiful this is like a long sleeve maybe t-shirt or a light jacket mm-hmm. you no know, everyone bundles up you know wow. that California is beautiful but that really I remember caught me off guard i have a super conservative family and so they're <laughs> really like i mentioned one time i was like yeah i'd like to live or visit california and they're i always just hear like how bad it is and they're like well get used really? to people pooping on the sidewalk like that's what wow. i actually heard uh i'm sure it's happened <laughs> but it's like i don't know if that's true yeah i mean i hear about that all the time in california that's a terrible terrible uh terrible issue that they suffer with people defecating on sidewalks right <laughs> yeah that's exactly right yeah well yeah people, people from california are full of shit they gotta get it out yeah somewhere. if you're listening and you're from california we're so sorry yeah yeah well we're sorry you gotta poop gotta on the sidewalk yeah that's so, a gotcha. yeah it's yeah. imagine like they probably do that little dog scoot thing too oh boy the, uh, yikes um so before this goes off the rails any further, um, yeah. so, uh, so tell me a little bit about yourself. I mean, obviously I know a little bit about you, but, yeah. um, you know, if you want to talk about how we met and I can kind of talk a little bit about that, you know, basically share your deepest, mm-hmm. darkest secrets. That's all I'm asking. <laughs> just, just the things yeah. that have put you in prison for the rest of your life. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so I am from originally from the Fargo-Moorhead area, um, that's where I grown up and spent most of my life and I went to school in the area and I studied biology uh, I was really interested in maybe some sort of healthcare oriented career hmm. and so I you know I went the sciences route did biology and it, I took this EMT course uh, my last year as an undergrad and that's actually how I met Alex through this class Um, and after I completed the class I got my my EMT license and I was hoping to actually stay in town and work for the local ambulance company and so that's kind of a little bit about my career path yeah getting to to be an EMT okay Uh, yeah because I remember I went to that class and 
Mm-hmm. I'm not very good at studying. I think we've talked about this before, but it's mm-hmm. always been a challenge for me. And I think you said you're pretty decent at it, right? Yeah, I think um, I I took my undergraduate studies pretty seriously at the time. I was pretty serious about what I wanted to do, and I really devoted a lot of time and focus and my motivations to, to being a good student. Yeah. And I think, I mean, it, it certainly the skills helped translate into taking the EMT exam. Yeah. But, yeah, admittedly, I, I was a bit of a, a books, by-the-books guy. Yeah. Pretty, yeah. Nerdy, pretty nerdy, a lot of studying in that sense, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's when we met each other, right, is when uh, we were behind, mm-hmm. I was behind the dumpster smoking weed. And you're like, <laughs> no, you're no, like, hey, no. bro, what's that? And I'm like, dude, you got to no, try it. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that didn't happen. Um, um, that, no. that didn't You're probably like, oh, my God, now they're going to drug test me. Um, don't worry. No, no one no. listens to this podcast anyway. So when you run for senator in 20 years, it'll come back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, this podcast will surface up. Then. Oh, man, yeah, your, yeah, your life's over. Well, it can't be that bad. I mean, look at the people in Congress now. So they're... They, yeah, they're actually a lot worse than they're us. having a great time I'm sure. they're having a great time yeah i wish i was in congress but uh so yeah we we met in the mt class and then i remember we kind of got paired up and i was working for another company you were you you were a full-time student right i was i was at that at the time i was going to school and i was working at the, the a local homeless shelter at the same time. yes yes mm-hmm. Um, and it was, I believe it was Churches United for the Homeless in Fargo, or is it Moorhead? Yeah, in Moorhead, correct. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, we just got kind of paired up, and I, like I said, I struggled with it so much, and I remember the test was not easy, and I wasn't studying, like, that's my thing, is I, I struggle with just, like, getting down and, like, studying and actually doing what I'm supposed to do, and I paid all this money, too, it was, like, $1,300, yeah, I think yeah, to make all that. yeah, yeah, and uh, that's when I realized school's not my strong suite, <laughs> but or strong suit. Uh, yeah. And then, um, yeah, I remember we had to do like they made us do like physical, um, not exams, but like what was it prerequisite test? I guess little tiny scenarios. Oh yeah, yeah, I totally remember that. All the scenarios where they'd be like, all right. You're pulling up on scene. It's a 60 year old male in a car, and he's not responding. What do you do? Kind of a thing. Yeah, um, we did a ton of those. First thing I do, I run away. That's what I do. <laughs> Actually, I drive away. I say, you yeah. know what? It looks like he's dead. That's not my job. That's somebody else's <laughs> job. And if he's Call not dead, field. I'm gonna run him over. All right, taking out the It'll trash. Be, uh, finish the job. Whatever. Finish the job. They turns out saying finish the job is not what they want to hear on those EMT tests. So, <laughs> yeah, they didn't want that. No, they don't want that. It, it was a it was a, a challenging course, and admittedly, it was... Because of the nature of what you're learning, I think it's, it's a difficult subject to want to be wrong in. Does that kind of make sense? Like, yeah. in those scenarios, it, it was initially difficult to get up there and do it feeling like if I did make a, a mistake yeah. that, you know, I wouldn't be punished heavily and I could learn from it. Because it's scary. I mean, the consequences of your actions, these life or death scenarios that they're giving you, yeah. I mean, it was kind of nerve-wracking. You know what I mean? I mean, did yeah. you ever feel like that? It, I mean, it's not... I was nervous even just in scenarios before I even got to go on my alone, you know? I was, I was nervous in the scenarios because... 
there would be a guy looking at us and because you because i think it was you and me we, i remember i just remember we did like i just i did it for a short time you know i dropped the class i yeah. failed uh but uh there was a guy and they're like okay um now you're gonna do these scenarios I'm like, all right so then he's like standing there and um you're he's like all right what's the first thing you do and uh i think it was me because we changed out uh and i it was like okay you got to secure the scene uh and there was some other stuff i don't remember yeah bsi scene safety BSI. you remember that <laughs> yes yes i do scene safety yeah. uh that's why that's when i pulled out my gun and i was like you know what we're gonna secure the scene all right all right, we got two tangos on the roof. Let's take him out. And oh like, my god! He's like, you know what? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> you know what? I'm here to take lives uh, and I'm here to save lives. All right, you know, that's what I'm you doing. Know, I will say, you know, so the first thing that they teach you in EMT class is BSI scene safety, which yeah. stands for body substance isolation and scene safety. And then the the BSI, the body substance isolation, is supposed to be. You know, if you're dealing with biohazards, mm-hmm. wear your gloves. It was just, yeah. you always wear your gloves going into the scene, and yeah. then the scene safety is, uh, you know, check your surroundings and make sure you're not entering a dangerous area. Uh-oh, if there's a gun over here or a knife, like, yeah. be careful. Like, they always, they would hammer that in, yeah. right? I, I'm sure you remembered that from the yeah. course. But I will say, when I, you know, after the exam, after I got hired, after the years that I worked for that, the local ambulance service, Mm-hmm. that like how often i would come across dangerous things in scenes i mean maybe once or twice when you enter some crazy mess house yeah <laughs> but yeah. like beyond that i never you're never really you're always looking yeah but i never came across anything super crazy thankfully in my experience that's good not to say others did not but that's good um yeah well so uh i guess that's kind of like uh, kind of a lead in here to a, another question. So, what what made you want to go into medical care? Yeah, you know, actually, initially, I didn't have a big interest for medicine. Originally, when I went to school, I was studying healthcare administration. I thought it would be interesting to be involved in the world of medicine, but I never. Or, you know, at least up until my first year in college, I didn't see myself as someone who would practice medicine or be involved in people's care directly. I thought, you know, I'm kind of interested in working with people, but I'm also interested in helping people. So I just kind of combined that, and in my mind, I came up with hospital, like, administration, like helping run hospitals. Um, and after my first year in college, I quickly realized that was not for me. Mm. I, when I was working at Churches United, when I worked there, I had a supervisor who, who had challenged me. He said, you know, why do you keep coming back to this job? He's like, it's, you're a guy in college. I mean, it's really, he's like, it's, it's unusual. I mean, young guys don't, you know, have to work at the homeless shelter. Yeah. What makes you want to be here? And I really thought about it, and it, it made me realize that I, I was passionate about people's, you know, caring for people. And mm-hmm. I realized that I enjoyed my work at the time at the homeless shelter, but I wanted it to be more direct. And in my time at the shelter, I actually had 
several experiences where I had to call 911 for medical emergencies. Mm. And that's when I saw, like, the, the people from the ambulance service coming in and they're, you know, doing their whole deal. They're, they're doing these evaluations and yeah. quickly making decisions. And I was really impressed. Wow. I was really, really impressed by that. And that was kind of what steered me in that direction of, of pursuing something with medicine. So... After that first year in college, I actually changed my majors to biology, and I, I began pursuing a um, like a health and medical sciences track. So, yeah, it was kind of a uh, it wasn't a very direct route, but I guess then again in life, what is? <laughs> um, but um, yeah, that's kind of how I got into medicine. What uh, so I mean, it's kind of question a little bit about Churches United. So, what do they do at Churches United? Uh, so Churches United is a homeless shelter, and it's uh, it, it's a kind of a unique shelter. I don't work there anymore. I haven't worked there for a long time, so it's, it may have changed a great deal in that time. But when I was there, it was a special shelter because it housed men, women, and children all in one mm. building. So they had a section for men, they had a section for women, and they actually had a, a section for families. And uh, homelessness as an issue was kind of really on the rise in our area and they were finding there were a lot of families that were dealing with homelessness and so this was kind of a, a gap that they were able to fill which was very unique compared to other shelters and most homeless shelters are just men or just women yeah. um, and so yeah they also uh, had a, a community shelter aspect where individuals in the community could come and share and use that space and there was also a, a fully volunteer-run kitchen. I suppose there was someone that worked at the shelter that managed it, but the, we had volunteers coming in to serve uh, two to three meals a day. So, yeah, yeah, that's what that's what churches did. Yeah. And what did you did you just do everything there? Like, were you just kind of like a whatever they need? Kind of. I I worked as a, a shelter advocate, which is. Yeah, I would I would help do these HMIS intakes, which was, it's, I think it's like homeless management information systems or something. I can't quite remember, but it's through the state. It wasn't to track individuals, but it was to help kind of gather data on homelessness. And so these case managers would be working with these individuals um, to get them permanent housing. And so I would help by completing paperwork and getting them familiar with the shelter and um, enforcing rules in the shelter, but it's it's a it, it was definitely the kind of job, not unlike the EMT job in the sense that every day is a different day. Yeah. You're dealing with very different people and different issues, and all these things come up. Um, but yeah, I had a, a a pretty all around role there, I would say. Well, what uh, I mean, if you can talk about it, like what were some of the things that you saw that were just really crazy? Crazy. Um, I would say it, I learned when I when I started working there that the most common reasons for individuals to encounter homelessness was because uh, a vast majority of the population suffered from some form of mental health issues combined with substance abuse. Mm. Uh, I guess you know initially I always kind of had this perception that it was just people who didn't who couldn't hold a job, or, or I, I guess I, I didn't really know much about homelessness at the time. I was pretty ignorant. And so um, as a result, for individuals who had 
issues with their mental health that were left untreated, wow. you would encounter some really bizarre behavior. <laughs> um, so there were there were some very odd individuals, and there have been plenty of crazy things that have happened there. Um, <laughs> one of which I will mention: uh, there was this older woman who had been addicted to meth for years and essentially had fried her brain. Mm. Her mental capacity was incredibly low. And so she had a lot of help through the, 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 the county. And there was this, the craziest thing, one time she had walked through the cafeteria, and then I had walked through afterwards, and I had not noticed, but she had defecated that entire hallway, wow. and I had walked straight through it, Alex. Oh. Oh, my gosh. That's it was. It was unfortunate. So, like, just, like, crazy random things, like, just bizarre things that would happen. Wow. There's some crazy stuff. Um, Here's a question, because this is, you know, I think, I don't know if you remember, I don't even know if I was telling you about this back in the day. So, I, I have OCD, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm diagnosed with it. Among a few other things, I might be at Churches United next week, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, though, um, one of the things that really freaks me out is bed bugs. Uh, I've never had bed bugs, but just the idea of having them, like I've, yeah. I've torn my bed apart thinking that maybe, yeah. and like I've lifted up in the air, I've taken off the dust cover, I've shined flashlights. Like I know one night I could not sleep, and I was yeah. having that many issues. Have you ever seen that? Was that ever a worry for you? Did you ever encounter that? Yes. I absolutely... We've had bed bugs at the shelter before. I think maybe two or three times. And it's... It's pretty horrible. Um, thankfully, the... The treatment for... They, it's like... What is it? Like rag and... Rag and bag or something? They essentially... You put all of your belongings into a trash bag and spray them with this spray that kills bed bugs but it has to sit for hours so everyone in the shelter has to bag up what belongings they have whatever they can fit in there and then like spray it and then yeah. all of the bedding gets like tossed so wow yeah um it's super nasty so um when you're at churches united next week look out for that <laughs> i'll try to did you ever yeah. freak out that you had taken them home with you or no i will say i was uh, i mean the, the risk for me getting bed bugs, I wasn't on bedding, and I'm not necessarily um, hugging every homeless person. That's, That's not how I greeted all of what? them in the shelter. That's how yeah, I greet I everybody. Know, super weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hi, welcome to Church Union, and here is your free hug. Yeah. Um, no, thankfully, I didn't, I didn't necessarily have that issue okay. myself. Yeah, because... Uh, I know that they can die with heat, and then there's also, like, some sprays. They're pretty resistant to spraying, and then also um, Cimexa and Dimitaceous Earth, I think, can take them down. But Dimita- Wow, you have clearly done – you know your bedbugs. <laughs> uh, I try – well, I try not to know my bedbugs. Um, well, because I was a bus driver, and uh, yeah. I drove for Matt Bus for a short time, and uh, I think I mentioned this before that I would drive past Churches United – and I know a few times I was in the like the dead of winter, and it was Route Four, uh, Fargo, Moorhead, uh, Matt bus, and um, there were people that would get on and off the bus, and they would yeah. be dropped off there. And I remember we had some very weird characters, uh, some not so nice people, to put it simply. Yeah. Uh, I felt bad for them because yeah, 
Because I don't want to see anybody like that. It, I mean, it's already sucky when you're on the bus, but it's really sucky when you're on the bus and you're homeless. I mean, that's kind of like insult to injury. So, yeah, um, it's uh, it was rough, and I imagine it was it was pretty rough for you. I mean, I'm sure you got to see like kind of a dark side of society that only a few people get to see. Yeah, I mean, I think it was a, a challenging job in many ways. And while there were, you know, several high moments, mm -hmm. uh, I think generally what I experienced there was a lot of, like, people's lowest point. Yeah. You would encounter these individuals who, uh, you know, struggle, struggled financially. Yeah. Um, and they didn't make good decisions. Yeah. Um, or they had some really tough luck. Yeah. Or they were, you know, victims fleeing from human trafficking, domestic violence, abusive relationships. You know, you part of that intake process is, you know, asking perhaps why they're there. Yeah. You know? um, not necessarily, you know, why are you trying to get into the homeless shelter? But like, is there something about your your background here, um, they end up kind of telling you a little bit of their story. And yeah, I think there were a lot of darker aspects to hear about, um, aspects that we don't really, we don't want to think about or that aren't necessarily comfortable to hear. But yeah, that was certainly a unique experience working at the homeless shelter. Yeah. Um, so here's a question. So why choose to be an EMT instead of, say, a firefighter or a police officer a nurse, or even, you know, I, I thought about this, but even, like, a military medic. Mm. Yeah, my, the reason I was keen on being an EMT at the time was I, I wanted to gain some sort of medical experience, and I, I wanted an experience that was kind of diversified, but also I wanted something that was within my community and yeah. I thought that an EMT would fit the bill perfectly um, the training for an EMT is I, I think the course was only was it, a, it was only six months I, or it, like it was it was only one semester wasn't it I think so yeah I can't remember yeah I think it was only one semester so you know I took that on top of my other courses when I was finishing my schooling and, um, yeah, my goal was to kind of stay in the community but combine, you know, my, my, my passion for, for medicine and caring for others as well as my interest in, in serving others. And at the time, I, I was happy to be within the community. So that kind of lent towards being EMT, emergency medical technician, as opposed to the other uh, first responder positions like firefighter or police officer. I wasn't really interested in the, you know, enforcing the law. That's you know, and that was a longer schooling. And the, the I honestly don't think I could be a firefighter. Like I don't mm. know that physically I could pass those requirements. I mean, they're not in, they're not insane. Yeah. But they're like, you got to be pretty strong to be a firefighter. Like, you really do. <laughs> you you really do. do. Like there's a whole process to become the firefighter, and I'm like, I don't know that I naturally have that, and I don't know that I can. Well, steroid up and become big and time for that. You know what I mean? So. Um, yeah. Uh, well, you know, another alternative career is to be an arsonist. 
you know, go the yeah. other way, go the other way, and just, like, yeah. you don't have to be strong. Yeah, you should have told me that years ago. Well, I have a passion for fire, what can I say? Uh, it's, <laughs> it's my passion. I met a lot yeah. of people down at the lumber mill, and uh, it was great. We had a good time, and then I, I burnt the yep. building to the ground. Um, but uh, I don't get people who are arsonists. I don't know why that's even a crime. I still don't get why people are getting stabbed even sometimes. I mean, it just feels like it's so antiquated. Like, we're still using swords and knives. Not swords, but knives <laughs> to stab people. You know, like, this well, is 2023. Are you, are you, do you think all the crimes should be, what, digital now? I think it, if, if we could make it just guns and tanks and stuff, you know, like, we should. Because, I mean, stabbing is so yeah. 17th century. Like, if you're going to totally. do something, come on. It's okay. It's yeah. 2023. Like, you know, Move on, yeah. knives can be yeah, both genders now. So, it's, yeah. maybe it wants to be a knife. Maybe it wants to be a spoon. You don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't know where I was going with that. But, so, uh, if you couldn't do anything in the medical, medical profession, what would you do? What do you think you'd do? In, instead of medicine? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. I think maybe I would have, in another life, gone maybe, um, maybe some, some some sort of engineering. Um, okay. I think it would be really interesting to work with my hands. I don't know if, you know, electrical engineering or civil engineering. I'm not really sure the kind of an architecture route. I think I, I kind of like that kind of busy work, working with your hands, designing, there's a creative aspect to it, but um, obviously there's a, a great deal of, of study involved in you know, material strength or just understanding that process. I think that could be really interesting. So maybe in another life I would have done something like that. But Yeah, yeah. Um, or an arsonist, I hear that. Or an arsonist. Well, you know, they work with their hands. You know, you got to be able yeah, to... Yeah, You got to be able to... Chemistry involved. That's true. Yeah. That's true. I don't know if you've heard of that documentary, Breaking Bad, but uh, it's... it's <laughs> they did a long documentary series, and let me just tell you, crime does pay uh, does for pay. a short That's time. Right. For a short time. Um, yeah, I know. I mean, I definitely uh, also, like, work with my hands. Uh, but it sounds like, you know, you're talking about being an engineer. They do more computer-based stuff, right? Uh, times are changing. That may be the case. Uh, I think, I'm sure they have a, a great deal more with the technology that's currently involved. Yeah. You know, 3D designing or 3D printing. Uh, yeah. You know, all the CAD programs and designing. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, it could be interesting to pursue. But, yeah. Um, yeah, maybe not another, another life that would have been. Maybe another life. Um, yeah. So, one thing that I wrote down here you know, is, and I think we both know about this, and I was, actually just saw something, it was on um, Reddit, I don't know if you've heard of Reddit, mm -hmm. um, they had a picture of the football field, and I cannot remember the guy's name, the one that he just, he was unconscious for a short time. Oh yeah, like a, I remember, I, yeah, really recently, about yeah. the football player. Yeah, yeah, and they were saying something about how, like, you know, the reason he's alive is because, um, the EMTs uh, rushed out to him, and uh, his name is Demar Hamlin. Uh, the EMTs okay. rushed out to him, and they're like, "These people make thirteen, fourteen dollars an hour." I know when I was uh, wanting to work at uh, the place we were at, FM Ambulance, um, mm -hmm. it was like fourteen dollars an hour. So, mm -hmm. 
a lot of people use EMT to kind of slide into being a paramedic, which yeah. pays better. Uh, what do you think about the low pay of EMTs? I mean, is it, or do you think they're paid fairly? I don't think they're paid fairly personally. Yeah, I, I mean, who doesn't? A, who doesn't want to get paid more? Yeah. But yeah, it's a really, it's a good point. I think that was that was a big challenge when I worked as an EMT for the ambulance service there because eventually when I left, it got to a point where I, I just didn't feel that I was being paid. I, I just wasn't being valued enough. Yeah. You know, um, I, the skills required uh, to be an EMT versus a paramedic, it's a big jump. Paramedics have to go to school for two years, paramedic school, whereas EMTs can just take like this, what, like one semester class yeah. And then become an EMT. So I, it, it certainly is, um, you know, a popular thing for individuals to perhaps work as an EMT first and then go to paramedic school. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, honestly, go straight into paramedic school without finishing an EMT process. But, yeah, I think it's – I don't know who's, who's doing it or, or why they can get away with it, but, yeah. Yeah, you're right. It, it does feel like the pay is really low um, for individuals who are trained to, to save your life. Yeah, it's um, – well, it frustrates me, I guess. You know, this is kind of a bigger topic, but we can touch on this later. But it always kind of frustrates me how EMTs are paid $14 an hour, but, you know, an ambulance ride could cost six to $8,000. Uh, they could they mm-hmm. can bill you for, you know, at least a grand at the very least probably. Uh, so these guys are working on you and they're taking care of you. And I remember when I was on the ambulance, cause I did like one ride along and yeah. or it was two ride alongs. Uh, I had a really good experience the second time. The first time was pretty mm-hmm. bad. Uh, but, uh, I just remember going ahead and you know, this thing is people don't realize like it's, it's moving and you have to stand and grab onto stuff or you have to stand and, mm-hmm hold yourself mm-hmm. down while this ambulance is like changing lanes it's breaking mm-hmm. uh you're kind of getting tossed around a lot in that profession <laughs> um yeah, yeah that, that's that's a good point yeah truck yeah maybe people don't think about that right away but yeah in the back when you move um you're unsecured at least with the the ambulance the, the trucks the rigs that were there when i was present um, working for as an ambulance you there's no way to move around without unbuckling your seatbelt. Yeah. And it's the company policy, I believe, that you're supposed to wear the seatbelt in the back. Yeah. But how often people do that is, I mean, unless there is very little treatment that you need to do. Yeah. Um, it's not. It was never very common for people to do that, just yeah. because if you're working back there, I mean, you have to move around in the space to get yeah. your equipment and whatnot and. And so, yeah, yeah, it, it definitely is risky. And so you got to hold on to the overhead bars or on the sides. So, yeah, it can be dangerous, that's for sure. What, uh, I'm just curious, what happens if you hurt yourself? Like if you, let's just say someone hits the brakes and you fall over because yeah. you're not buckled in, but you were trying to administer treatment, like what happens? Are you, I mean, do you, I assume you have to pay for that. Like you have to get hospital treatment, right? You know, good question. I don't know for sure. I don't have a good answer for you on that. Okay. Um, I, I don't know if the company is going to cover, I don't know if, it, if that becomes a worker's comp, you know, because yeah. it's on the job, but they're going to argue you should have been 
in a safe spot or your partner should have called that they were going to have to do a hard break. Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know for sure on that. Wow. Yeah. It's, uh, it's kind of scary. But, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, it was – I just remember doing that and thinking, like, this is pretty intense, and then people were only making – just a tiny amount of money. It just kind of shocked me how bad yeah. that is. And just, you know, the first responders in this country, a lot of them, especially your EMTs, paramedics, firefighters, uh, they don't get treated very well. Like, police, obviously, they have to deal with a lot of things. Uh, but they do, in a lot of departments, they do get paid decently. And then they have their own vehicle. They're given quite a bit of training in, in some departments. I know some, they're not as good. Uh, they've also got thousands of dollars of equipment that, kind of goes into protecting them uh, and taking care of them. Whereas an EMT, it's like, well, you got to buy your own pants. Uh, you know, <laughs> you might get a couple things and stuff, but it's kind of on you. <laughs> yeah. Buy your own stethoscope. Buy your own uh, stethoscope. I mean, didn't you have to buy your own? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I will say EMS is kind of like, what, the, the red-headed stepchild. It's kind of the, the ugly duckling of EMS. Yeah. Where everyone everyone loves firefighters. Everyone loves the police. Well, not everyone loves the police. But, you know, oh, the police are good for, you know, we need the police, we need yeah. the firefighters, you know. And it's not that people don't love the ambulance, but I would say the ambulance, in terms of all the people, all first responders, definitely get treated the worst because when it comes to dealing with unruly people, yeah, and it's a medical situation, um, that's you. That's us. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, we gotta. We we're the ones that gotta get up there. And if people are unpleasant, I mean, we don't necessarily always have the same training as, um, like de-escalation trailer training. Like that's not necessarily mandated that everyone has. Not yeah. all EMTs and paramedics have that. Even though those trainings, uh, I'm sure, exist across, you know, many states, and you know that kind of stuff. So it's. It's, uh, it, it can be kind of tough sometimes because another side is when you deal with individuals who are, you know, this is a common ambulance call, uh, someone who's over-intoxicated. Yeah. When people are drunk and they're, you know, not in a good mood, they can be super mean. Really? Super nasty. You don't and say so that. what happens is that, but that's like the most common call in the United States, over-intoxication. Yeah. yeah. I actually don't call me on that. I don't know that. <laughs> it feels like <laughs> okay. it. <laughs> all right, the yeah. most common call, yeah, the most like basic call. Maybe I should say that. Yeah, <laughs> the most basic call you get is just someone who's way too drunk, either in yeah. public or at home, or, or you know they just can't take care of themselves, and there's yeah. no one there that can do it. So that someone calls an ambulance, and yeah. gosh, I have met some really nasty drunks, man. Uh, when they're sober, totally fine. Yeah, but when they are drunk, they are so mean. They are, yeah. I, I. Can, can, oh, go ahead. They can be like that. Oh yeah, but that again is just my experience. It isn't necessarily that's what that's not the whole EMT experience. But. Yeah, um, no, I mean, I've I guess I've gotten a little bit of a different side of that. Obviously not as a EMT, but uh, as an Uber driver um, and taking people away from bars. Honestly, it's the same thing, Alex. I'm not gonna lie to you. <laughs> it's I, I always. How many calls do I get going to the bars, yeah. picking people up? Yeah. Uh, it, I mean, it's it's definitely not the same thing, but it's uh, it's definitely <laughs> yeah. the what sucks about being an Uber driver is they get in your car, and that's your car. That's not like the yep. company's car or the company's ambulance, and there's nobody else to help you. It's just you, and yep. you might have like four people in there, 
And I've had people, like, scream in my ear and laugh really loud. And it's like, oh, my God. Like, the, I just want to tell them, hey, can you shut up? But you can't. <laughs> I just kind of laugh along with them. Or, you know, it, it's yeah. crazy. Um, <clears throat> it's uh, it, it puts out a lot of stress. And I imagine it puts out a lot of stress on EMTs as well. I mean, it's it's uh, it's got to be stressful lifting that stuff, uh, moving those people. You know, you have to sit. You have to talk. you got to go ahead and get their vitals. Um, it's, it's tough. Uh, how, like, how does that, um, translate to, I guess, here's a, I guess a question. I don't know if we covered already, but, um, when it comes to stress relief, like, what do you do, uh, on stressful days? Like as a, as an sure. entity, like, what did you do? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Working as a first responder is pretty chaotic and it's really stressful and sometimes you can have some pretty bad calls and I think what I'll say for you know for working at the ambulance service one thing they did well is when there are more serious or more distressing calls um, or you know they believe you know just instances where they think this could really have a lasting impact on the people who respond to that call they do a good job of having these these debriefs afterwards, where you know they will sit down and talk to you about that. They are they are very aware that the stress can really build on people in this job, and so that was one thing that I would applaud, you know, the service that I worked for that they did make an effort on those big calls to say whether that's a, a text or a call from a supervisor or somebody else. Um, you know, on this specific, like this team um, of individuals who are supposed to reach out to their peers in those instances, like they did a good job with that. What I'll say outside of um, work in terms of de-stressing, I found it very helpful to um, spend some time reflecting, uh, you know, on what happened and what my role was there. But also, for me, sometimes it helps to not take it home. You know, if that makes if that makes sense, like I don't want to go home and continue to dwell on what happened at work. Yeah. Because the more I get into that routine, then I can never get out of work. I'm always thinking about how I could have done this. You know, does that does that make sense, Alex? Like I don't want to yeah. drive myself crazy thinking about what ifs and what could have been yeah. if I had done this better, that kind of a thing. And so, it actually helped me to to really separate work from home life. And so, you know, when you're at work, talk to the people. If I'm having a rough time, um, reach out. And when I was away from work, I would do my best to not um, constantly put myself in that environment or relive those moments necessarily. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, What's, I mean, was there anything you did for stress relief? Did you listen to music or, um, I know I'm sure some people drank. Uh, Not necessarily something you want to get into, though. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I, I it helps to be active, okay. um, to to really like literally blow off steam to go running. Or I got big into pickleball. Did you ever? I'm sure you've heard of the craze, right? Like in the past couple of years, pickleball is everywhere. Everyone's playing pickleball. I you, swear. But you told me about it. That was the last time yeah. I heard about pickleball. <laughs> was you mentioning yeah, pickleball? I've never heard of oh, it okay. until you really told me. And you're like, yeah, man, I play pickleball. I'm like. All right, that's cool. Is that like balls <laughs> All the with cool pickles? Kids are doing it. 
I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. So just being active was something that really helped me. Help me through those times, you know. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, probably the best. Uh, so, describe your daily routine as an EMT working on an ambulance. Yeah, the the daily routine um, at at the ambulance service that I was working for, we worked a schedule of twelve hour shifts, four days on and four days off. Okay. So that was really tough to get used to at first. Do a twelve hour day, that's tough. Um, but I did come to really appreciate the four days on, four days off because it meant that for the re- like the whole year, I knew exactly when I would be working because I would work every other four days yeah and it meant that i always had a four-day weekday Mm. and since you it's a 12-hour shift you would be working 48 hours and anything past 40 hours is overtime so it was kind of nice in the sense that i got it felt like i was always getting uh you know a four-day weekend and i was always getting built in overtime so you know i was like oh yeah this is kind of a a fun thing but uh a little bit about what the daily routine looked like. You you would get there um, according to your timed shift, and so we had trucks going in, coming in and going off essentially on the hour. So there's like a 5 a.m. truck, a 6 a.m., a 7, 7:30, yeah. 8, 9. Um, so at all of those hours, shifts were starting, and yeah. I was a rotator. It just meant that you know I I worked days and I would rotate. Um, each week between the trucks. So I would, you know, week one is the five, and then the six, and then the seven, and then the eight, you know, and so on and so forth. And then when you got to the top at the nine o'clock, you'd rotate back down to the five. So it just meant that you were never working with the same person for more than four days. Um, Because to be honest with you, sitting 12 hours in a truck with someone, you like really get to know people. (laughs) Yeah. Seeing people in high-pressure, critical situations, you absolutely get to know people. But um, you get there in the morning uh, or in the evening if you're on night, and the first thing you do is a, like a, a truck checkup. You make sure that whether your truck just came on or just got off, um, or excuse me, whether your truck just got off shift. So mm-hmm. if I'm showing up at 6 in the morning, it could be possible that the 6 p.m. shift is getting off. Mm-hmm. So they have already gone through and restocked their truck, but now it's my job to go through and make sure that I have everything that I need in that truck. So my partner and I, we do that, and then we would get sent out to post once we would call available once we cleared our truck or checked off our truck. Mm-hmm. And so the, in, in our area, and it's not the same for every ambulance service, I'm sure, we had kind of a, uh, a rotating system based on priority and so the most call volume in fargo moorhead the most 911 calls come from downtown fargo which is coincidentally where all of the bars are (laughs) so what what happens is most of the calls come from a certain area and so that post has to always be filled it's Mm -hmm. priority number one and when i was there that was post three the downtown fargo post so um as all these trucks are coming and going, getting on shift and getting off shift, whoever is closest to that higher priority post um, has to go go take it when it's or to go fill it when it's cleared. Yeah. 
And when calls go out across the area, whoever is closest gets assigned to that call. And sometimes that would be someone who is driving to a post, um, or sometimes that would be you sitting at the post. Yeah. Um, but that's, yeah, that's kind of what uh, the day looks like. You go to your calls. Um, there are a few hospitals in the area, and so individuals could choose, you know, which hospital to go to. Our, our hospital service, though, it was affiliated with the largest of the two um, healthcare systems in the area. It was not, um, it was not exclusive. If that makes sense, we would still bring you to whatever hospital, whether that's the VA or you know what I mean. So yeah. Um, so then we would drive around, and then after our call, we'd clean our truck, and then we would go fill a post, and you would just keep doing that all day for for twelve hours. Wow, yeah. that's crazy. Um, yeah. So you mentioned about getting to know people. What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts uh, on people who are paramedics and working with those people? Were they easy to work with? Were they hard to work with? Was it? I'm sure it varies person by person, but I mean, when somebody becomes yeah. a paramedic, do some of them act like jerks and they're like, oh, I, I know better? Yeah, that's a, that's a very fair question. You're right in that regard that some people are perhaps not as approachable when you first meet them. They're, yeah. you know, here's the veteran who's worked for 25 years and you're the new green marine um, they're not going to pay much attention to you because they've seen green marines, you know, every six months. <laughs> you know, new new yeah. people come and go, so it's just you know they're not going to maybe give you too much um, too much of their time initially. But that's just how some people are. There are definitely some really incredible people that I met through that job that I was really drawn to right away. Um, then I met some really fantastic people that have become lifelong friends, yeah. for sure. Um, but yeah, that's a good point. You know, some some people I worked with on nights, I had an experience with uh, <clears throat> a couple of people that we wouldn't talk. Like, they didn't seem to really want to get to know you, and as a result, you would just spend this long shift just not talking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's not to say that you always have to talk with your partner. You can obviously do your own thing in your downtime, but yeah. it, it is it is difficult as a you know as a new employee to to show up and then have to sit there kind of in uncomfortable silence. And there were certainly some people who really wanted to hold it above your head to be like, yeah, I'm better than you. I'm a I'm a paramedic and I know more, and you know, thus I'm a, a, a better caregiver and, and whatnot. And, yeah, there are definitely people who knew a lot more and a lot better and were certainly better skilled, but that's just the perspective of some people. Other people were really encouraging, and other people wanted to watch you succeed. They wanted you to do well and become a, a good provider, you know? Yeah. So it was a very diverse experience, I'd say, working with the different individuals there. Mm. Um, kind of a different kind of question, but I think something that should be asked, and I ask this to a lot of people, uh... What would you do to fix healthcare in America? Um, yeah, that's obviously I don't have like a great solution. There are so many moving parts to a lot of aspects. What I'll what I'll, what I'll say is, you know, my perspective on American healthcare has been pretty limited, right? It's my experience working at the homeless shelter, seeing individuals perhaps 
struggle to get their prescription or struggle to be able to afford or struggle yeah. to be able to qualify for that. And then my experiences working at the ambulance service where individuals in critical condition would turn down your care because they can't afford it. Um, those were kind of the experiences I had. And as a result, I would say just generally, you know, if I had to say, if I could do something to, you know, or if I wanted to pri- highlight or prioritize an aspect of healthcare in the U.S., I would say being able to afford your daily medications, afford yeah. your prescriptions, um, is, is, is huge. Um, and as far as my experience working for the EMT, working as an EMT, you know, no one should be in a position where they have to deny care because they are afraid of being able to afford it. Yeah. Now, I, I don't really know how to fix that, to be honest, Alex. I don't know how you, – you had mentioned this earlier. Ambulance rides are incredibly expensive. They really are. Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, I, I don't really know of a clear solution of how to fix expensive ambulance rides because I think, the th- you know, the issue is not all ambulance services – you know, there's, there are private ones and there are public ones, and so I'm sure the funding is different, for, you know, depending on the two – um, depending on the state that you're in, I'm sure there's a different allocation of mm-hmm. you know the state budget towards EMS if it's uh, you know that's sort of statewide run. Um, but just I'll I'll just say on those issues, being able to afford your your daily medications and not being in a position where you have to to turn down care would probably be the those are the things I would want to fix or change first uh, based on my experiences here in the U.S. Yeah. Uh, for sure. I mean, I wish we could kind of move to like a, uh, I think they call it like a Nordic nation, uh, deal, but basically universal healthcare. Uh, I think yeah, that would be, like that be our, amazing. Yeah, yeah, it would be amazing. Um, I'm sure there'd be drawbacks, but it's, uh, it, it would be awesome, you know, cause I would definitely, uh, be able to go in and get things fixed and taken care of. Um, but no, I thought you'd have the answer for everything. Actually, <laughs> I yeah. thought you'd be able <laughs> sorry, to break sorry, it down. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, no, I thought you would uh, be able to lay out like a ten-point plan and how you're gonna <laughs> yeah. fix it all and uh, yeah, knock it out. Um, what do you find yourself doing for fun? You know, just kind of a different question. But uh, what do you do besides play pickleball? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, well, I, I enjoy being active when i was in uh, my undergrad years i got big into rock climbing i i don't know if you remembered that i was really big into rock climbing there was a rock climbing wall at my school and i joined the rock climbing club and i had such a blast with it and you know now that i'm living um, in the cities there are certainly a lot of opportunities here to be well, A, to go rock climbing, they have some really fantastic gyms, but they, I, I was really amazed by how well, uh, at least the area that I'm in, um, how well they do at maintaining, like, bicycle paths or running paths. It's really cool to see how how much of that still exists, mm-hmm. how many, you know, because it's, it's, a, it's a big area, you know, and it's really populated, and so, you know, you, you imagine that there isn't a yeah. ton of green space, but that is something that I've enjoyed about the area here is, you know, there are a lot of lakes nearby. And so, yeah, I just like being active. I like being outdoors. I like hanging out with my friends and um, 
trying new foods. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Sounds yeah. pretty nice. Uh, I'm on board with the food train. I don't know about all the other oh, yeah. activities. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, you know, you can, I'll let you use me for piggyback rides. Like I'll just, uh, right you on. do that. Yeah, I can, I you can it. ride my back like an elephant. What is your future looking like? Just curious. Like very grim. Okay. Very dark. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for asking. Yeah. No problem. <laughs> no, no, no. I, no, no, no. I'll say I, my future. I am so currently. I'm hoping to pursue some further medical education. I think it would be a wonderful opportunity if I were able to attend medical school. So I'm kind of in this process of perhaps pursuing that. Um, but I'm in a position currently where I just have to wait and see. So. Yeah. Um, you know, I've talked about that in the past, but see, that's kind of where I'm at now. Yeah. Um, okay. Just kind of waiting, so we'll yeah, see. It's kind of a holding pattern. Uh, yep. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I appreciate you so much for coming on and uh, taking time out of your day. I, mean, I know you, you uh, don't have a lot of time off, and then, you know, COVID obviously yeah. is annoying. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it kind of holds you back. But, yeah, <laughs> um, you know, it's uh, it's really good to hear somebody that has worked in the medical profession i know this is this kind of frustrates me and, and maybe this is going to be taken the wrong way but if if somebody takes this the wrong way then they they might be the one with the issue but i think that um nurses get a lot of publicity mm-hmm. and all you hear about are nurses and doctors and nobody ever mm-hmm. talks about like emts Nobody ever talks about paramedics. Nobody talks about all the technology, tech, the uh, techs in their roles. Like you know, you have X-ray yeah. techs. You know, you have somebody who's going ahead and uh, what, is, what is it called? Like a dental assistance. I think that's what they're called. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, you have all kinds of different roles out there, and these are the people that get you where you need to go because you know. If you don't have CNAs, if you don't have EMTs, if you don't have people out there that are doing those things, um, we would quickly fall apart. You know, they're the people that you don't see very much, but when you do see them, you're really glad to see them usually. Um, It's kind of like, in a weird way, EMTs, CNAs, they're kind of the plumbers of the industry because you don't see plumbers very much, but when you do see them, you're very, it's very thankful. we're dealing with your shit. Yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> well, yeah, and also the fact that, you know, when it doesn't work, when things aren't going right, you're going to yeah. want them back really fast. You know, if yeah. you, you go to turn your Definitely. lights on and it doesn't work, you're going to want to call mm-hmm. an electrician. Well, imagine, you know, going and calling 911 and there's nobody there. You know, yeah. the, the dispatchers, Absolutely. all those folks. And um and the podcasters too. I'm just gonna say yeah, <laughs> for sure. Dude, podcasters they need more love. <laughs> That's true. They do. Yeah, we're we're basically holding down the entire uh, country. Uh, yeah, it's it's amazing. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you reaching out, and thanks so much for having me on. Um, that was really thoughtful of you to reach out, and I'm more than happy that I could be here for you and share a little bit about what my experience was like. Any anything else you wanna? to share uh no i i don't know if you're interested in, in being an emt reach out to alex that's what i gotta say <laughs> okay all right yeah i'll uh <laughs> i'll definitely be the the person you should pay attention point to. man on that okay <laughs> i will be i will be yeah all right um all right well uh have a good one thank you so much for coming on the show
Absolutely. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us. Please tell your friends, reshare this podcast, and give us a high rating. This is a labor of love, and we don't do it for the money. We do it for the history and helping out everyone's everyday ignorance. Because when it comes to knowledge, ignorance is unacceptable.